Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show we look at movies we love. Break them apart! To find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my buck-tooth mustachioed, worst-going-out-sure-owning-of-all-time friend and co-host, Alex Dandino. You're welcome. That's right, Otis, not Otis, Otis. <laughs> Guys, you know, uh, if you're here, you know, this month, the pod is a madman. Uh, movies that place us in the POV of murderers, killers, deviants, uh, not good places we want to be. Perhaps the scummiest neighborhood we visited yet in POV land. Henry, Portrait of the Serial Killer, tonight's movie. Uh, as always, guys, if you like the show, and we hope you do, please take a second and leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. That helps us out enormously. Also, find us on any social media. Uh, we have all the stuff you have. We would love to hear from you guys. You can also email us, uh, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. For any ideas on double features, guests, uh, themes for the month, whatever you have, uh, we'd like to talk about the movies you want to talk about. And if you want to see our faces and some new content, you can follow our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. All right, Alex, that's the business. Now we got to get to the real business, the scary business. Had you seen Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer before I foisted it upon you today? No, I was actually saving it because, quite simply, I knew you were going to try to find a way to watch this for the pod. <laughs> so I'm like, because like we share, uh, or um, you we were very kind. You gave me your shutter password long ago. And I was like, oh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. I should watch this because Griffey always will definitely get it into a show. So I'll just wait. So here we are. <laughs> uh any opening salvo first thoughts you had on this movie man it's an infamous it's an infamous yarn yeah i mean honestly i mean michael rooker is fantastic like if you want to be honest like i mean i'm not saying he's a good guy he's a terrible person in this movie <laughs> him and otis are both horrible people really i was kind of on the borderline we'll have to discuss i mean uh rooker is great the movie itself is um it's weird. Like I was expecting something a little more. Um, it's really documentary. Like, like it's kind of weird almost. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like it has this sort of, it has a really weird documentary feel, feel to me for some reason. Not that it is a documentary. It's like a not, it's a not in on the joke man bites dog kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Kind of exactly. That like movie's that. in on what it is, right? This, yeah. this feels, this is voyeuristic. super not. Like, there's a lot of the, yeah, the voyeurism in this is so, I mean, besides it being just, like, vicious and terrifying in a lot of respects. Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, this movie is, <laughs> this movie's a great example of why we do this pod. Like, we watched Psycho, and I was like, this is exactly what the film Alchemist is. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is the real reason, though, that we started doing this show, because... <laughs> This is a movie that, in general, probably not a lot of people outside our general circle of uh, Twitter fans and Instagram people have actually seen. So, to me, this is a great example to shine a light on a movie that is hard to swallow. So, if you're willing to sit yeah. through something like this, I commend you. Uh, I have a kid and a wife who doesn't watch these kind of movies. So, I watched this very sporadically in the, in the time I had to myself. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was uh, alone with the kids this weekend. I had to watch the kids. My wife is a nurse, so she's obviously got a lot on her mind. So I was actually watching it with headphones on my cell phone for fear. Because the kids took a nap, and I was like, all right, I can turn on Henry. And I was like, what if one of those kids wakes up for like a minute, and I'm not aware of it? The things they could see in this movie, I would actually be worried about. um, Yeah, my kid's almost a year old, and even I'm worried about him just retaining some sort of like – for like protracted knowledge that just tucks away in the Latent back of the imagery brain. that comes out later in the true true crime documentary. Well, it was all when my dad was watching Henry for his podcast. <laughs> you're like, no, no, that's the worst dad ever. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, there are some of these movies, right? I remember I found Henry Henry at a young age because it was one of those dangerous movies, right? An X-rated, scary, uh, most vile thing you've ever seen. It was listed amongst those kind of movies, right? right? So me and my young, like, whore brethren, that was one of the ones we had to seek out, right? Where can we... This is back when we had to, like, go around and look for, like, VHSs, and then when the DVD revolution started. I don't remember Henry getting a quick DVD release. But, uh, yeah, I saw it on a VHS with some friends, right? Like a ratty old VHS that someone found. I don't even know who found it, but we were, like, were amped to watch it. Yeah, this is one of those movies you'd easily find it, like, like... For those like people in LA, if you've ever been to um, the Rose Bowl flea market, there's like a bunch of people there yeah. who have like hardcore ripped VHSs of like, like Nazi propaganda films. <laughs> this is like 100 percent one of those. Let's see, Henry, uh, my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like hmm, let's no, see, uh, uh, Goebbels presents. Oh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Cool. Yeah, I gotta say, man, for all the movies like that, right? The dangerous movies, as they were always told to me, right? Like right. the ones they don't want you to see. I think this one is memorable to me in two ways. One, it's one of the rare ones that actually was as disturbing to me as it was foretold. Right. Um, I think it is absolutely gut-wrenching and vile and sickening, and it really makes me feel wildly uncomfortable and afraid at times. Yeah. But also, I think what is great about this movie versus a lot of those other kind of movies that I hear about, right? Like, track this down. It's so gross. You'll never believe it. Right. Uh, this one has really powerful storytelling happening at the same time. Yeah. I think, and I think um, it, that the art of this movie elevates it above the kind of smut film that it was pitched to a lot of us. As. Yeah. I mean, I think if you tuck away, if you tuck away that this is based on real people, which is pretty horrifying. That alone makes this movie scary and also yeah. worth a watch. Like, I think about the movies that you've had me watch on this show that are kind of like, I would never seek this out. And the only one that ever comes to mind is really Taxidermia. And even then, I'd be like, like I'll never watch that again. There's yes. no reason for me to ever watch that movie you again. You will someday. But someday. Like, You'll want you'll want that sweet sweet throw up Hen- scene again, right? But like Henry Portrait <laughs> of a Serial Killer is another movie I'd probably never watch again. But I would absolutely tell people to watch it like that. I think is yeah. kind of the strange thing about Henry portrait of a serial killer is that while I plan on never watching it again, just because it is like super heinous, like it's pretty much what you think it is. Like if you think about, <laughs> if you think about a movie about a fucking serial killer, who's just traversing America, here's that flick. Um, that is, is like, but it starts strange for that kind of a movie, right? It this does. movie does not begin the way you would imagine this no, movie starts. No, 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 no. And I think, honestly, the most chilling parts of the movie to me are not... As the film goes on, obviously, the 
the graphic violence and brutality becomes more and more pronounced. But there, there is a, a technique that is utilized in this movie, which is they're always trying to put a wall of separation between us and the act as it occurs, right? Right. Um, and the opening scene of this movie, right, is just this young lady dead in the sound of nature with the bird chirping, and we're slowly pulling back, right? And a lot of this opening scene, right, becomes here is a guy just meandering around Chicago. Right. And we will cut to a scene of horror, right? Like the one that really sticks out to me is the lady who's tied to the bathroom sink, sitting on the toilet, but with a Coke bottle, like somehow stuck in her face. Yeah. But what happens is, is we play these like slowly drifting spirits, right? Cause there's a voyeurism to it. Cause some of them were moving towards the body some away. Right. So it's not like we're in the POV of like a spirit leaving its body. Sometimes we're coming in close to see, which right, is gross. Yeah. And what happens is when they mix it with just the sounds of nature or this kind of ghostly echo of what happens, and then you just place it, you know, you cut it and juxtapose it with this, here's a guy just ordering breakfast, complimenting uh, the waitress, right? Leaving a tip. I mean, Just I, a normal dude with high waters right. walking around unassuming. I think that's... And, it, and to me, those scenes, it's, it's one of those because... When this movie's pitched to you, you assume it's going to be bloody, graphic, horrible violence. And for the most part, the scenes that are the most chilling to me are... Because this is the thing. When they later show violence in this movie a lot of times, well, it's brutal, right? And some of the torturous acts are really hard to watch. Yeah. There is a, a kind of quickness to some of the kills, right? Like, there's a lot of like neck snapping going on, right? Like McGruber McGruber neck snaps and shit like that. And you're like, all right. Yeah. I guess his is more of a rip than a snap, but neither here nor there. But it's it's so fast, right? Yeah. Whereas the start of the movie says here, it kind of does the exact opposite of what you think, which is here. Look at the end result, and now we will let your mind run wild. So me as an audience member, I am creating all of this terror. Right. And all of these hor- – like, how the fuck? I will always be haunted by the image of that Coke bottle. Well, I think that's My whole probably – that's probably the thing that makes the movie the most unique itself is that the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition a couple of times, like between yes, like the like normal mundane things that Henry does, which again is like, why? Like, why do we have to watch this? It's like, Oh, because you're supposed to see that he can totally blend in with normal people, even though he's a fucking monster. Like this is sort of like, like to me, this is like the inverse of Hannibal Lecter. Like Hannibal Lecter to me is always one of those guys. People were like, Oh, who would have known? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Hannibal Lecter is Hannibal yeah. Lecter. There's never a time where you weren't, I bet that guy's not a creep. He's totally a creep. He speaks in villain monologues. Yeah, he, liter- <laughs> he literally monologues as a villain in life. Like, yeah. even before anyone knew he's a bad guy. Like, that is what I think is the best thing about this movie is that, you're right, like, the very beginning, that juxtaposition is very scary. But then, like, the juxtaposition of just stillness versus violence is the real, like, again, like, yeah. you, you said it correctly. It's, your mind runs wild with that opening scene. So, like, you're like, holy shit. If that's what he did, A, how did it happen? But also, what the fuck else is this guy, like, movie going to reveal that this guy's capable of? Well, then they cut to, like, six more still dead bodies, right? And it, yeah. it serves many purpose. One is, as we gently float, we get this massive finality, right? Right. That this was once a vibrant living human that is no more. Right. Right. A lot of movies have the effect of piling up bodies and it's like, oh, there's another one. There's another. They make you sit and stare. Yeah. 
at this fucking like I remember this this is something that will always haunt me. I'm one of those people like this week I saw a video on YouTube, right? Or uh, Facebook. I was just scrolling and some girl snaps her leg in half. And I'm like, why is that on, is that on and like it, I, I've got these like phantom pains and like I'll have like a panic attack thinking about it for like 10 minutes and I can't escape it. It's happened to me Ooh. for like 10 days in a row. And so there was this DVD that my friend got uh, Hollywood land. I think it was right about the Hollywood land murders. Yeah. And on that footage in the DVD extras was just crime scene footage. And I remember watching it one night. We were all drunk, like watching through it. And they just showed like a dead body, just like sat on a dead. And we all got, ooh, ooh. we had to turn it off. And this movie does that where it really nails home the 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 cost of this, right? Because now you're looking at this. This was once a person with a life and whatever, you know, bills, family, whatever, you know, their situation may be. We don't know. Uh, but now they are just this degraded thing, right? They're right. dehumanized while we are sit to pon we we sit and ponder all their humanity. Right. Like the one that struck me was when we see him hunting, right? He's in the mall parking lot and looking in his rearview mirror. That becomes so scary, not because we've seen him in this violent rage, because we still don't know it's him, right? We just assume because he's on the poster and whatever. Uh we just see a guy cut in with those images and we're now imagining him as this you know, giant manifestation of evil. Right. And later when he goes and gets that lady, right, he just walks right past two kids playing catch. He doesn't have a mask. The only thing he needs as a defense is, oh, I'm here for a job. That she clearly didn't call for. She, And that's how easy it is for him to get in. Right. The next time we see her, faint echoes of a fight, cord around her neck, and cigars, cigarette burns all over her body. I mean, that's like, like that's a mom in the middle of the suburbs who we see has a husband. Right. We know has friends. There's kids playing to catch right outside. I mean, that is probably it's haunting. Yeah. Like the unsettling violence of like we talked about uh, with Psycho is like Marion Crane's whole thing is like she's bad guy. She gets what she deserves. Like so on and so forth. Like we're kind of like we pondered about whether or not she did. But like regardless, like the idea, the original intent is that she did something wrong. So. The idea is that you know she's not necessarily. That's what led her in the path of the right. predator. That's why right? she's. Like, that's why she's thing. in the crosshairs. This one is just like brutality at its worst, where anybody, it could be anyone, any one of us could have let the wrong person in, and that's part of our. That's our. That's our life. Like that's what it is, and I think that's wow. the thing that makes it scariest, is because the banality of our lives can be cut so short so quickly by this person who. Like, it's not even to prolong his life. There's no sort of, like, weird ritual or anything like that. It's simply violence. And that is yeah, that in and we, of itself is terrifying. Right. Well, the, the scary thing is, is that the movie tries, it, it plays with that idea, right? Right. Because all of these killers that we've talked about in these movies, right, they have, like, an original moment where they kind of break and become what they are, right? Uh, Peter Laurie and M talks about, like, this is why I can't, help it right i'm born with it there's a voice in me and and peeping tom right my dad experimented on me in psycho uh i killed my mom and her lover right right right. <laughs> like that's what started it out right after his dad left he killed his mom and lover this one really fucks with that idea of there's some kind of root cause of evil right. versus there are just evil humans right in a two-fold manner which is one henry can't keep his story straight on how he killed his mother 
Right. He tells Otis one story about a baseball stabbed, bat. He said he shot her. He said he killed her with a baseball, baseball bat. Like, there's like yeah. a bunch of different stories. He can't remember, right? He's very determined that she was bad and made him watch sex and abused him. Right. But he, they're sprinkling that in by telling us that he's lying. Right. So, like, to me. The fact that he wouldn't remember that, right? He's He's lying about it. And why? So then he becomes this wildly unreliable narrator and that happens after she confesses the the sins of her father right right so maybe this is some kind of he's reciprocating back what he thinks she wants right. so I, I we think... never can trust that there's a true origin of what henry is versus this is just his nature right i mean i think that's the thing that's always been the the movie's interesting in that sort of like documentary aspect because this is like a big nurture versus nature debate like there's always been the contention among psychologists about like where psych like where psychopaths, where serial killers come from. Is there some sort of thing in their past or are they just born hollow in a way? Like are they born mm-hmm. without that empathy for a fellow human being? Like you and I talk a lot about like, oh God, these people in the movie theater just mow them down. Like that's like kind of in good fun. Like honestly, I'd rather just yell at them and make them feel bad about themselves. But I would never like dream of like murdering someone just because Oh, you mean people talking in theaters. I was like, we never talked about mowing down theater. What do you <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry. No. Talking about like just like people who talk in front of us in theaters. We talked a lot about that on this show. Yes, Especially I when- specifically said on this show if I had the invisible man suit in the invisible man, there would be three less old women in the world. Right. All of them with a hard karate chop right to the throat. Right. All of that I is hate like, movie talkers. All of that I'm is in you. good fun. Yeah. But in general, like we probably just yell at them and make them feel bad about themselves. This is like the best yeah. this is the probably the most entertaining and least like psychologically aggravating um <laughs> conversation about nature versus nurture because like Becky, yeah, like has Becky and Otis are particularly have this really weird like there's a little bit of incestuous issue going on there. Like they've had a horrible, like they have a lot of horrible things that have happened to them, but they never fucking change their story. It's Henry who doesn't really have a story itself. And in that regard, it's sort of like the Joker almost like relating it back to another character who changed their story considerably throughout the movie. You never really know. So him being an unreliable narrator makes him almost, com- yeah. it makes him completely unsympathetic. So now we're following someone around in a movie who literally we are not rooting for ever to like figure anything. Yeah. And it's it's strange because in a way the movie's not a portrait of a serial killer, right? It's not the portrait all. of this this man he is projecting to the world cuz this is the thing they give us and this is why I think that the nature of serial killers is attacked in an interesting way because in the room we have the three paths, right? Um people who suffer these traumas, right? Which is uh, I will bear it. It'll hurt me and scar me, but I will bear it and try to move forward and do as well as I can. Right. That's Becky. Right. And then Otis becomes kind of a criminal and kind. We get the hint that there's bad stuff. He's obviously a pervert with the high school kid, but he's not what Henry is, which is no. like pure, you know, just hunting evil. Yeah. Henry is pure but, evil. Uh, right, Otis is like we see how quickly Otis takes just like to a it. bad guy when someone just tells him, yeah. oh, yeah, you can just kill people. And he goes, what? And then he yeah. embraces it so rapidly that the film is actually telling us, right, that maybe that is just in us. Right. It's and all you have odd, to do like is give him permission thing like this Lenny thing going on. You know, yeah, it's very it, that's the thing that like most struck me is I was kind of like 
oh, this has like a weird like Lenny mice and men get mice and men vibe. Yeah, well, because this is the thing, right? The the first scene where we see actual violence, and this is what I said. It's so muted, right? Which is they have a fight, right? After Otis wants to kiss his own sister, and Henry like yokes him up, right? Yeah, yeah. Because this is the weird subplot of Henry trying to be chivalrous, good guy for her, and assuming that she's eating it up, right? She she clearly wants him to be that guy because her own guy back home, her baby daddy. Uh, you know, gave her a black eye. We find out later he's a fucking murderer. Right. You're just like this poor Becky. Oh my god, that she's so desperate to find a you know a better way that she trusts this fucking monster in this very thin facade that he has. Right. And so Henry is always this lurking evil. But what we see with Otis, who presumably grew up in a similarly bad situation like Becky, is that after they they have that scene with the prostitutes, right? So. The violence is so fast, right? It's kind of like you hear them almost fucking, and it looks like they're almost seated, and then he takes them down. And by the time the camera gets to the side profile of the car, presumably she's dead. Her She's been choked to death, neck snapped. Yeah. The hooker that Otis has looks back, starts to panic. He grabs her, quick neck snap. Like, it's that fast. Yeah. And then we just watch him drag two dead bodies out like they're actual pieces of trash. That's it. And lay them in the, the alley, right? We cut to Otis in the, you know, he's trying to calm him down with like burgers and milkshakes and fries, whatever. Right. And when they're sitting in the room, he goes, Otis, you've never killed anyone. He's, I don't know. I have no choice. And so even Otis, right, a man who has taken life according to his, you know, account, he sees the difference. He knows specifically what the difference is right. between his cr- criminal behavior and Henry. Right. He knows what the fuck Henry is. And the strange thing is that he sees it, and he himself, a murderer and a criminal, knows this fucking extra beast is upon him, right. and he just willingly embraces it. Well, and I think that's like... That's that weird like thing of peer pressure. So like, that throws out nurture, essentially, right? Right. I mean, like, that... That 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 makes someone. Hmm. That makes someone. I guess the argument would be is that if Otis was f- the product of a bad home, that the nurture element was already in place. I guess. I mean, the other thing, the other question I have is, do you? Because like, I was wondering, do you think if Otis had met somebody else entirely, like if this was like Henry Portrait of a Philanthropist, would <laughs> Otis have taken to that? You know? <laughs> Otis is like, I do love feeding people. This is. Right. This is swell. But that's what it is. Like, I get high on life. That's uh, the question. No. Right. I, think I don't either. Otis was already a criminal, right? Right. And he was definitely perverted with the high school kid. Mm-hmm. When the kid punched him, do I think there's a world where maybe, like, that's a better question, right? Would Otis have still wanted to and thought about, think about killing that kid if he had not been given permission to kill by Henry? My thought is, yes, eventually a guy like Otis is going to kill someone, right? 100%. But again, like he said, he's going to kill someone that he knows in a fit of rage or passion. That's how Otis will kill. Right. The difference is, right, is when Henry's training him and he does the M.O. thing, right? Like, don't always use knife, stab, choke, like change it up because then they have no way of connecting it. That to me was a scene as they're filming a guy getting mugged. You're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Henry is so disconnected from his deeds, right? There's right. no well, it's not. It's, there's um, no kind not, of 
orgasmic release with him. We see all tension the whole right. time. Well, to me, it's like, and this is, again, this goes into, this is why I think actually the title is kind of apt. Like, Portrait of a Serial Killer is about, like, it's about what it is that, like, like he, he describes, like, you have to have a different MO every time you do something so that the right. cops never connect. You're like, cool, cool. Yeah, right. that makes, which in regards to that would make him not a serial killer because serial killers have specific MOs. It's the ritual that they go for, not the actual kill itself. So to me, what this really is about is Henry's it's about Henry's world and moral relativism because for Henry, the like relativistic nature of human life is so everything is so sort of up in the air. It's a tenuous, it's a tenuous Mm. partnership at best uh, the decent thing and human life, you know, like he fucking gets pissed at, you know, he fucking kills those, those two old people in the liquor store. Like and that's like the, towards the beginning of the movie. And then he kills right. prostitutes. Well, we also see him kill a guy over a TV who insults him. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so like, there, there is an extra level of, so they, then you're like, okay, eat the root. I can understand yeah. that. Like there's like some sort of, there's some sort of moral relevance to that because, Oh, that person's rude. Like they, deserved it some for some reason like nothing that bad which by the way that might be my favorite kill in the movie um which i thought well, was, that's like, the one kill that we see un unwashed by some kind of barrier yeah no it's full and on it feels the silliest right like it's well that's drop like, the tv yeah. on his head barbecue him there's blood everywhere <laughs> every other kill in the movie Honest, uh plug it in i mean that's yeah, like you know you pl- Plug it in. It's awesome. It's I love it. But that's the one but it scene is super where it loses. Right. But it loses that voyeuristic documentary vibe. And you're like, oh, now I'm watching like the unleashed madman who's like stabbing the fat man with his own tools. Right. And but I mean, even still like over a team. But that's what I mean. Isn't that weird, though? That's the one kill of the movie because the, the prostitutes in the car were obscured by shadow and car. Right, right. The others are dead bodies. Uh, even Otis later, we don't like see it all. The way. It's kind of like behind him and Henry's crawling to him. Yeah. You know, there's always some kind of layer against the reality of what he is, except for that one scene. Right. And the fact that it's a big, fat, rude guy and not the seemingly, you know, upstanding suburban mom. I thought that was a really weird choice. I mean, I think it's a great choice because it makes all of the other kills that much more brutal and terrifying because we see this which to me is like okay so he like stabs a guy with what like uh what, what do you have like a is that a look like a little solder gun yeah it was like a little like a little solder gun and then they i mean it's like it's it's out of like a fucking slasher movie like like it's like out of like chopping it felt it like how otis would retell a story right yeah that's a great way to put it's it. like yeah. otis like it's like the yeah, way yeah, i'm a badass it's almost the way yeah it's like the way you would retell a story to make yourself seem more badass like that, yeah. there's no way that's actually what happened. Probably the reality of what happened is much more terrifying. Like, oh yeah, like we never plugged it in because it wouldn't have mattered because this guy's head was literally jello. So like, yeah, <laughs> because the fucking tube TVs are like four thousand pounds back then. <laughs> yeah, even that little fifty dollar TV would have been like a fifteen pound instrument of death. Right. So like, to me, you're, you're man, that's a perfect way to put it. It's literally like a retelling from Otis's perspective saying, oh yeah, this is sort of how it happened. But it is so corny. Like, again, it reminded me of like something out of like chopping ball or any of those like great, like eighties, like slasher <laughs> flicks. Really? Like, yeah. It's just corny as hell because it doesn't fit any of the other 
like any of the no other, other criteria we, of the movie. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Well, like, because imagine the scene, right? There's this great scene where we kind of get a little glimpse into Henry, right? Right. Which is don't kill someone you're connected to. The little kid you just creeped on and he punched your nose. Just go out in the world and there are victims everywhere, right? Right. So they do the thing with the car. And the guy comes out, this, you know, normal guy, seemingly good Samaritan. He's like, hey, man, do you guys need help? And Henry looks at Otis and he says, uh, Otis, do you need help or do you got this? And Otis pulls out a gun and just shoots the guy. It's so matter of fact. Yeah. That's the that's the interesting duality of the movie, which is we spend a lot of time with horrifically mangled still bodies. Right. And the violence we see is so quick and just matter of fact. Right. Boom, mm -hmm. boom, boom. There's no torturing. There's no ritual. There's no Michael Myers like setting him up. Right. Like some of the others feel that way where they're kind of like decorative in how he's laid them out. Right. Where it feels like, oh, this is more of a disgusting ritual thing, right? The kills we see on screen are so fast, except for that big fat guy. Right. Which is why that one does not ring true is one of the kills to me. I mean, yeah, it could just Because be now maybe because now this is the first time that Otis is jumping in. That's why I was like, maybe this is Otis's perspective. Well, may, yeah, like this is the first it, it time just, we're... It, like you said, the fact you said it just feels hokey. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, it's one of those things you put in a movie so that you can say, like, think about it. Like, when you walk, like, if you're walking out of a rated X movie, because this is like the 80s. If you're walking out of a rated X movie, that's the thing you're going to take away is like, well, what was the movie like? Oh, I don't know, man. But there's this one scene where they smashed a TV over this guy's head. <laughs> yeah. And then plugged it in. And then plugged it in. <laughs> Fucking brutal, yeah. right? Like, that's absolutely yeah. one Fuck of the things it, you right? say to your friends because it sticks in your mind is a weird, <laughs> weird, corny kind of image. But, like, yeah. what I wouldn't tell someone is, like, well, the first shot of the movie is literally a woman dead sitting there with a Coke bottle stuck in her face. And, like, yeah. huh, I'm not going to see that. Yeah. Like, that's exactly the way yep. you don't go see a movie. Right. And that that is the – that that's the, the, the weird duality to me, right? Because the other kill where we really see a lot of graphic, graphic violence is the uh, – family in the suburbs yep. right mm -hmm. and this is where Otis and Henry but this is where they make another fascinating choice right because it's obvious how abhorrent this scene would be to witness right right you know or to just know that this has happened in real life right mm -hmm. it's it's the kind of thing that even a lot of movies don't show us in a realistic fashion right a lot of movies have scenes like this, but it's Jason or something like that, right? Something that gives you that layer, right? Their layer is we're going to make it feel as real as possible, but you're going to watch it as a recording on TV, right? Right. So we see Otis holding a mom, playing with her body. Ooh, they're God. they're degrading her. It's it's abhorrent. We turn over to the husband who's hearing his wife's screams of agony. He's obviously bloody under his head thing. You know, he gets kicked. But then the scene takes just this absolutely gut-wrenching turn when the son walks in. And you see just this real life and death fucking struggle of him and Henry. And it, the part of that scene that just broke my heart is when the mom, who's in so much danger herself, is just reaching out with her foot, trying so desperately to get this guy off of her son. It's just so brutal. And like it, This is the it, part of... That's what I mean. It's It's so repulsive. Yeah. That I think in a lesser movie, that's where you go, I, I don't need this shit. Yeah. I and mean, he would turn it off. I feel like, yeah, like, this is a good thing to discuss, too, is, like, what about this? Because, honestly, I had a lot of trouble watching it. 
like that like above all else like i had to like really like we have a new kid i don't want my wife thinking about stuff like that i literally like she walked in the room i turned it off but this is this is what we talked about that Stuart gordon quote right is we like horror because it's a dress rehearsal for our own deaths right that's what he said and i think it's a brilliant what thing is we like the big kill right a lot of horror movie audiences we like the gore we like the kill but what I think is, and what I think this movie was self-aware enough to know is, we always like that distance, right? Totally. Like if you watch a brutally violent movie like Human Centipede, there's a layer of outlandishness, right, that protects you from the vulgar realities of what that film is. Totally. Uh, same with Saw, this and that. There's these big, silly gadgets. And you're like, all right, it's okay if her face gets ripped in half. Right. Uh, because, you know, it, it's a game. Clearly, that's not the easiest way to kill a person. Ha, ha, ha. Some yucks, right? Right. Um, this is one of the... I don't know any audience member that watches this and is like, oh, I'm getting a lot of viewing pleasure and joy out of that scene. No. Now, if you use it in the way they did, right, which is now you're just getting a lens on this character that you're kind of watching and Michael Rooker is just this amazing brooding character and Otis is this big goofball. Uh, and again, we've seen a lot of their the consequences of what they've done, right? These bad guys in the world, how much evil they can spread. Right. And then we see the fat guy kill. And again, they did everything they could to take any possible sympathy. We could away from that guy. Right. Cause all of us were kind of like, I'm not that sad. That guy doesn't exist anymore. Right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. They made him as big a piece of shit as they could and gave him the hokiest funny death possible. This one is so different. There is no joy in this, no. but what it's saying is, and again, this is, a lot of these movies have this one scene or these shots that are saying, hey, whore audience, this is your reality check too, man. This stuff that you really like spurs from these fucking places of real world right. tragedies. Well, and I think and that's... so in that scene, we're watching and we're fucking horrified. Right. And when we cut to Otis and Henry, we see ourselves a bit, right? And that's say what it's doing is taking those fucking men and their vile, you know, evil nature and saying, hey, man, that's in you. Yeah. Like, We're literally watching it through their eyes, and that's us, man. Right. We're on the journey with well, them. I mean, the scene with, yeah, the scene with the guy with the TV is literally like horror, like, all right, here we go. queuing up. All right, great. The fun that's stuff. That's the fun horror stuff we all love. That's a Friday the 13th kid. Exactly. Like, that's like the part where you're like, all right, now we're, been, now we're in the mix, you know? And then we get to this, yeah. and you're just like. Like, when Chucky bashes that nanny's brains, or his you know mom's friends brains out and throws her out the window right. you're like ha, ha, the kid's alone with a serial killer doll <laughs> this movie's great a innocent teacher just gets fucking murdered and you're laughing this is one of those horror movie scenes where you're if i ever met a person who's like i love that fucking scene man that's my favorite scene i'd be like well you can't ever be around me <laughs> like, well just, we are not friends no. i respect your choices but we are not friends ever yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's one of those things where, yeah, that probably will stick with me more than anything is just the, like, more so than the Coke bottles thing in the very beginning is that is, it's, it's the, like, man, it's the, um, it's when Otis, like, plays with the mom like that. that oh, my me, God, yeah. That, the after, but that's what I, it's what the it most is, brutal, it's, it's the fucking, most brutal thing I've ever seen on a mo- in a movie. It's, it's just degrading. Yeah. Uh, a mom right we all have a mom yeah all, exactly you know some of us are parents and uh, it's just degrading the ideals of a society right Absolutely. so there are these people 
And in that moment, watching them through the TV, and we're watching them through two TVs, obviously, it's taking us so far out and saying these aren't people. These are just these fucking evil things that exist amongst us, right? These viruses in our society. And be careful that they're not closer to your heart than that you think they are, right? Because, again, I think this movie makes a big play that evil is just nature, right? That there are just some of us put here to purge the rest, right? And be these horrible... And I don't know why that's the case, but that seems to be at the movie. The movie doesn't make a good case that Henry could have done better, right? Because no. we see Henry kind of play the straight, right, with Becky. Well, that's that's not even seemingly what... try to be chivalrous with her. Well, but and it's not even when what you Henry see him on that tape. But once you see, but that's what I mean. All the other scenes, you're like, he's still trying with Becky, and there's almost this perverse. Could they make it? <laughs> like, could he be a better guy? When you see that scene. All of your illusions of the the better half, right? The the better angels of Henry's nature, as it were, right. uh, being pulled forth by Becky. You're like, nope. Yeah. Well, nope. Like, <laughs> well, you think about it too. Is like most serial killer movies we watch, we do see these these people are like tortured. Like it's always these tortured souls who like. I keep coming back. Like a lot of the stuff that I saw, particularly after like with the suburban family. Reminded me a lot of like the Red Dragon stuff. Mm. And I thought a lot about that because Dollar Hyde's supposed to be this like tortured soul. Like he was abused by his uh abused by his grandmother or mother or whatever, all this other shit. Like we're supposed to see these people as damaged creatures, tortured souls. And Henry might tell those stories, but again, because he changes it so often, just the detail of how he killed her, that you're right. Like that is something that yeah. you should remember. So like because of that my empathy for him switches off almost immediately. So all I'm thinking about the whole time is like, this is an unsympathetic verse. Like whatever happened to him that caused him to be this way. I kind of don't care. Like he's just a bad person. Yeah. And also you never get that respite, right? There's like very small amounts because psycho M peeping Tom, they'll have these respites of people trying to find out who the evil guy amongst them are. Right, right. Totally. So it gives the audience a place to sit with normal people and be like, Oh, thank God. This movie has maybe one or two scenes where maybe. Becky's looking for a job and like hearing gossip. But that's like, and for the most part though, we are just with one of these two despicable human beings. <laughs> yes. The entire fucking, <laughs> we are hunting with them. We are out, you know, disposing of bodies with them. And that is the part that is so different about this movie, right? Yeah. Is that they never really say, hey, we get it. This is not okay. Right? Again, they try to protect us with by putting layers between us and the act. Yeah. But I think, again, and as much as I think this scene is abhorrent, I think it is a somewhat important scene narratively because, again, it really reinforces just the, the sheer reality of this. And, again, this is a narrative, you know, fictional film and the guy who this movie's based on was a complete fucking liar and full of shit and maybe killed no one one person ever right possibly you know he took credit for hundreds of murders but that never happened so but that's just the idea that this man exists right and i think that's the thing if we're gonna play with it and say hey we're gonna show you these dead bodies and we're gonna have a fun kill with the fat guy at some point you have to bring home in a way that's undeniable to everyone watching uh, the impact of these kind of people. Totally. I mean, that's like, that is the, that is the real, I guess, 
I, I, would, I don't know if I'd go as far as calling a genius, but that is the real like art of this movie particularly. No. <laughs> um, but that's what I mean, right? Is there are other movies that would play that straight up in the room. Hit, we're watching it from the camcorder, not the camcorder to the TV to our TV, right. but the camcorder, right? Like we're right in there. We're the hand that's reaching out and grabbing. There are movies that would go there because they need to shock us more, right? right? I think this this didn't feel like that, right? Like we just unnecessarily need to repulse you. This felt like it had a very important Yeah, I mean, there's a reason message. to see that. And then cutting to those schlubby dipshits <laughs> with their mouths wide open on the couch. Yeah reinforces that to me right because right. we cut over and like oh look at these two fucking dipshit al bundy every men and then we have to mesh that with the two men we just saw on that fucking screen right well not, that's why it works for me well not only that but then like the other thing that works for me is that like because they're they're literally watching it slack the way we'd watch like i don't know like any number of netflix series like any number of like I think of like Andre and I watching Tiger King for the last like week. I'm just like, <laughs> it's the same like, thing though. Like I fuck? should be like, and I'm like, obviously there are moments when I'm shocked, but I'm literally sitting there just like, I'm like the information's just passing into my brain. That's exactly how these guys are focused on a video of a murder they committed so heinously. Yeah. And it's just like, it's nothing like that. I think is probably the scariest part is like, that is their normal. Which is terrifying. Well, you know, it struck me in a weird way, too, because it feels like a lot of these killers have these great memories of these moments, right? These hyper-cinematic recollections of these. Right. Because this is the moment they waited on. To me, there was something extra creepy about the way Otis wanted to watch it frame by frame. Yeah. Because it, it jolts it out of the reality of the act, right? Now he's just getting flashing images. So maybe even Otis needed a barrier between him and what he was watching. Interesting. He wanted to watch it a lot, but maybe it was in this did that really happen moment. Right. And I, I maybe that's too much, right? Because he was clearly very excited. I mean, and Henry actually had to shut him down yeah. in the video. Again, one of those like faux chivalrous moments of Henry like, hey, man, come on. That's, that is too much. <laughs> It's like, you could have said that like a half an hour ago, Henry. Yeah. I don't believe you. What about at the beginning of the movie, huh? <laughs> don't you think of Coke bottles too much? Yeah. I I don't know, man. It was, But it's fascinating the way that they, they – and again, I think that is the important thing that the filmmaker is acknowledging the, the despicable nature of it, but right. the necessity of it, you know, by, hey, I will help protect you with art and yeah. technique. I mean, I think that's – yeah, I mean, the movie is really about the breaking down of the barrier we all experience watching movies like this. So yes. to confront us with the reality of it, truly, like, something that is this horrific becomes reality in the theater itself. To confront us with it and say, like, all right, well, that, like, nebulous uh, screen is down and you're just watching a murder now. Now you're just, like, part of a snuff film. How do you yeah. feel? And it's one of the it's one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in a movie because it feels so very real. Absolutely, it feels like something you could just see like on the news, man. And that that's what's scary, right? Like there are filmmakers like a Rob Zombie. He does like high graphic, high intensity in the room violence, but sometimes because of the amped up nature of it, it seems unreal, and that's yeah. okay. This one is just this not one's that. just real. Um, yeah. And then there's the then there's the insane. 
once we get to the ending, man, the movie really starts moving fast. Uh, so Audis completely devolves after this, right? Right. What do you think? What do you think happens if Audis doesn't wake up in that room? So Audis is they come home right from their fancy steak dinner. Yeah. And she said her her baby daddy going to jail. She's like, Henry, come with me to side fast. He's like, all right, let's let's go eat a steak dinner. They come yeah. home. Otis fell asleep watching his frame by frame like a creep. He goes in uh, with the sister. What do you think happens if Otis doesn't wake up there? I mean, uh, sorry, I'm having like if he doesn't wake up with Henry. And, this is where Henry and the sister are yeah, like or if he doesn't borderline w- about to hook up. Right. And Otis comes in and interrupts them like a creep. Right. Because, you know, so that's his brand. If Otis doesn't go in the room or if Otis doesn't. If Otis doesn't wake up, that was like one of those scary what ifs of the movie today. Can Henry go through with it in a normal way? Right. I mean, to me. Well, that's he interesting. couldn't wait to run out of that room. It felt like. Well, and that's interesting because like really this is a question about Henry rather than like, I mean. I think Henry could have gone through with it. I don't think Henry could have hooked up with her there. I mean, I think he could have. I think he would have killed her right afterwards. But um, yeah, see, I think that might happen. They they never quite get into the full like what's going on with him. Yeah, I mean, but it looked he looked because you see earlier when they're dancing on camera and he's like enough enough, and like he sits on the couch, she sits by him, and he scoots away. I think he can tell. Hey man, don't start that engine because yeah. that is the the murder machine engine. Right, right? I think that's like, what it is too. It's like I think if he that, I mean, yeah. he couldn't wait to run out of there and tell that guy fuck the bears and stalk the dog lady, right? Like, but that's because the engine's been turned on, and I think like that's I know because then like think about it that then like you've been caught, and also he's violating one of his rules, which is like never kill someone that you're connected with. So conceivably, right. Henry absolutely would have henry 1000 percent intended to kill her so Otis walking I in felt, see, Otis i walking wondered in the if, if Otis doesn't walk in that night and she maybe they're able to have sex or maybe he just goes in his room and she can leave the next day if there's a better ending for her i wonder if Otis doomed both of them right Otis going in for just the assault is i think this is the I think Otis has been watching himself through that tape and whether he needs a barrier from it. And he's so ashamed that now he's, but then that going after his sister is kind of this, you know, the same, he's embracing this new fucking Yeah, it's the same darkness. short, it's the same sort of shame spiral, I guess. I don't know, man. I mean, I think Henry for sure would have. That's another him. one of those like hard to watch moments. <laughs> it's just such a, yeah, I don't know, man. That's like, but then she's driven to stab her own brother in the eye to save Henry. Which is weird because but that also could mean It's not that weird. She wanted she probably really was excited to stab Otis well, at that moment. I think it's kind of weird mainly because like it's like you kill it's like you kill it's interesting, like you think it might be like you're killing the lesser of two beasts, but really what she's doing is preventing another Henry. Because I mean like the fact that he's with like and almost right. to another degree, like Henry is a serial killer with like very random methodology. Like he doesn't have anything that he actually does. 
But Otis, well, he is the true chaotic evil nature. Right. Otis, whereas clearly, Otis is now an injured, hurt man who's lashing out right. violently. He clearly has no, has rules, a no thing. boundaries. So there's a there's an end for Otis that ends in either murder or prison or something like that. Henry will right. go on forever. But I think well, there's that ridiculous scene when Otis is just like, "Yep, nope, nope," and he gets away on his parole check after we've seen the crimes he's committed, and it's like. That's that version of Otis is going away. He is playing this caricature now of right. Henry. I mean, and so, but when she stabs him, and then when Henry runs over and stabs him, I think that's the first moment that she sees, oh, fuck. Right? Because Otis had the upper hand. Right. And then when she sees that, she's like, oh, I already stabbed him in the eye. We could have just like gotten away. Now that's she's not like, what that's oh. about, man. Yeah, exactly. Then now she's like, oh, Henry's about that life. That's what it is like that. And then he goes in and just disposes. It has this very like piranhas turning on each other, right? Like the injured one. Because mm-hmm. then he just cuts Otis up and fucking drops him in the river like he's absolutely nothing. Right. Right. Um, I. What did you think of the ending with the blue suitcase? I think that's a. I mean, again, it's one of those great like cliffhanger. Not. Cl- yeah. It's not even a cliffhanger, really, but like. The thing no, that I would I, say it's the exact opposite. Like you've fallen off the cliff. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's interesting because like this movie conceived this movie's like I think it's eighty three minutes long. If a hundred yeah. or hundred and nine minutes I can't remember exactly. It may, might be it's pretty short. It's like eighty eighty two minutes long, yeah. It's really fast. Yeah. So really this movie should be like, I don't know, fifteen hours long because he's never gonna stop until he gets caught. So like like that suitcase being left on the side of the road is a very creepy, but B also just like the signifier of this movie is like, Oh, this was just like a quick spot. Like this is a, this is like a moment in a long, 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 long line of terrible, horrible misdeeds. Henry will be committing. But this one was so extra tragic, right? Because one, we got to know her a little bit. Yeah. She said, and, and Henry's spinning her this yarn again, very of mice and men, right? Like, who will tend the rabbits? You will, Becky, with your daughter that we'll send for, right? <laughs> Arabian rabbits. And it's like, but she says, I love you, Henry. And he goes, I guess I love you too. And then we just cut to the hotel and he's staring at himself in the mirror. And she's kind of strumming on the guitar of the, that he took off the hitchhiker earlier in the mm-hmm. movie, by the way. And he just says, I think we need to go to bed now. We got to leave early. But that's like. and But I think there's that moment of hope because he wakes up the next day and is just shaving. He's just shaving. But that's, right? the fact that a guy who can do that even worries but about look, shaving. It right? starts the way it ends or it ends the way look, it started. Is it, there is a brief moment in the movie where I was like, maybe he will take her with him, man. I never like why that. kill her right Not now once. is what I kept thinking. In my, and I think that's kind of the. The cruel joke of the movie is we keep thinking that Becky can somehow has brought out something good in him. Yeah, no way. I've, and there can't there can't possibly be like a good happy ending where they drive off together. I never. But when he that. when he walks out of that <laughs> hotel room by himself and locks the door, that is just one of the the gut wrenching moments in cinema history. To I me. just ne- because for a brief moment. 
she's confessed her love. She saved his life. You're like, maybe, just maybe she'll escape. You are the only person in the history of watching this movie who thought that there was any brief moment of hope for Henry at this moment. I wanted her to tend the rabbits. God damn it. Never going to happen. No, I knew there was no hope that Henry would stop killing. There was absolutely. But I didn't. There was think a, he was going to kill her. There was. I was hoping thousand percent. Nothing more her. resolute than as soon, I, as soon as they panned over to her strumming that guitar, I'm like dead, one thousand percent dead. It's so. I'm not saying it's not the absolute right ending for the movie. <laughs> I'm saying that every time I watch it, and I will say I've watched this way more than I probably should have. I still, every single time, have that one glimmer of hope. And what I'm saying... That, like, maybe, just fucking maybe, this time he won't fucking kill her, man. And what I'm saying... She saved him. She was good. A, she has a daughter. What I'm saying is that optimism is an admirable trait that I think is fucking hilarious in a movie called Henry, right. Portrait of a Serial Killer. Bitch, he meets a lot of people he doesn't serial kill in that movie. <laughs> The, the fast-talking guy with the wad of money, the waitress. So, too, he doesn't serial kill two of the oh. people. In this oh, great. Two out <laughs> of 50. Maybe the lady we, with the dog, what the we, guy who's a Bears fan. Now we're up to, like, five people he didn't murder. What, are we crossing our fingers? Is this just like, Maybe the two kids playing catch. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. He'll get, he'll, he's like Forrest Gump. He'll get to one coast and just murder his way across yeah, the country I, in the next direction. <laughs> he only killed, like, 15 people. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it's – I think that is – I think it's a strange – Feat that they accomplish in the movie i think the is fact that this movie manages to it specifically shows you for a fact there is no redeeming quality in this man but yet i still somewhat every time buy into the henry and becky story it's uh, and i think i think i think it's important because i think the moment i stop believing in hope for those two then I am a brutal beast like Otis, right? I think every normal human being watching that should hope that she gets in the car and they just go get some moons over Miami and go take care of those horses. That's what we should want. Yeah, we should want that. I think the expectation is pretty I'll never low. stop wanting that. I've seen it a bunch, and I still, every time, get sad when he locks that door. I still have that, oh, this time too? Again, Henry? Again? <laughs> Again, Henry, damn it. Yeah, they even had a sequel. She could have been in it. It would have been great. <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, I mean, this movie was just like... <laughs> She's reduced to not only bloody blue luggage, but we hear the faint ghostly sounds of the murder, man. The movie to me... Ultimately... And that one's weird, too, because remember, that's the only single kill of the movie where we don't see the body. I mean, to me, this is like the it's a it's a great it's a great movie about how completely relative human life can be to some people. And why why do you think they don't show her body at the end? Why? Because yeah, they we see every other body because it's the psycho thing again. It's the edict of like you don't have to show someone something. You like if you see a woman strumming a, a oh, guitar at the end it. of a movie about a serial killer, and then the next thing you see is a guy who was with that woman leaving alone and leaving a bloody suitcase on the side of the road. You don't need to see anything. It ends the way it starts, which is holy shit. 
like what fucking terror lays inside that suitcase. But that's the bookend, right? Henry leaving his victim in nature for the whole world to see. Absolutely. And the bookend image is Henry leaving his victim in a luggage that no one can see until they willingly open it. It's the horror that contained inside that suitcase unfathomable i that honestly was much more gut-wrenching than the is that suitcase showing that he did care a little bit or is that just the director like the audience because i can't imagine he's saying that we don't need or want to see her at the end no to me what that the suitcase is simply just he's not stopping this is just an easy way of getting rid of someone like that's really kind of what it is oh so you think it's even less human i was saying maybe it shows he has a modicum of decency no way Dude. I mean, clearly he doesn't, so yeah. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> what a movie, Jesus Christ. I just wanted her to have those wabbits and her daughter. I must say, Becky must be one of the most tragic characters in a movie. That she, one, is married to a man so bad she leaves her daughter behind to go to Otis to begin with, and then just happens to fall in love with a Henry. Rough. Whoa brutal what a life that's what i would say though man this movie is just full of very realistic brutality yeah right and not just in the act but in just the concept of this creature being among us right this henry and that's what i take from it right i don't take that the over the top despicable act right i the moments that always will stick with me of this movie are just gently floating in the same room as the aftermath of Henry. Yeah, I think this right, and I think I think those artistic decisions make this movie elevate above a lot of other kind of smut level films. Yeah, I mean, I think the stillness in the horror is what really gets is what really uh, can is really the gut punch of the movie. Like nothing that you see on camera is nearly as bad as what's going on up here when you see the end result absolutely not and yeah that's the thing and michael rooker is just phenomenal in this film yeah he's so good and i would argue this is probably his best role man this was the role he was born to play oh. so i think he's always been great at he looks like he could be like an everyman that we kind of look down on but there's just this wild intensity about him and this movie he plays it pretty straight man he's fairly subdued and then he'll like the mask will slip yeah. but i think that's again i think there are a lot of people that you know, I think this movie has a lot more storytelling and visual power than people give it credit for because I and I understand, man, a lot of audiences wanting to be like, I don't want to sit through this shit. I get it. I do get it. But I think it is one of the best. I've always been fascinated with how how far. How far down the depths of a human being are. And how close we all are to that. Someone who is there or us doing it ourselves. And I think Henry gives me a very realistic, very fucking scary and bone chilling look into that world. But constantly protects me just enough. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem. It's probably the thing the movie achieves best than anything is. With absolutely no remorse showing you someone who's this bad. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. And they never, ever, ever let me have the Henry Becky, you know, Age of Aquarius, Moons Over My Hammy ending that I so desire. Never, bro. Yeah, they probably shouldn't give Henry a happy ending. I'm kidding. That's it, guys, for Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. 
I hope you liked it as much as we did. I hope you appreciate uh, this movie, man. I I think it is one of those that's getting new life now. It's worth. And I think this movie will be evergreen. It's, I think this movie will work for every generation uh, from now till eternity, man. It's super intense. So, uh, it's worth a watch. Very good movie. Uh, we've got one more Madman. Uh, next week we will be dropping the vanishing or Spurloose. I don't know how exactly you say it in the native tongue. Uh. This has one of my all-time favorite uh, movie openings, movie scenes. It's a great ponder. The bad guy is heinous. I love this movie, man. I can't wait to talk about The Vanishing. Uh, and then we will begin our The Pod is Held Captive half of the month, right? We're doing two five-movie themes this month. So we're going to start off with the best person held captive movie, in my opinion, Misery. So that'll be coming at you next week. We've got other great stuff to watch. Uh, anything you guys are watching and want to hear us cover, we'll try to get to it. Hit us up on all your social medias, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can see us on YouTube, Nerd Alchemist, plural, with the S at the end is the channel. And please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find us, guys. That helps us out a ton. Please. Uh, thanks for spending time with us and Henry. Uh, we hope to see you back for The Vanishing. For The Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. <laughs>